Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Sam, and we have a great show today. I'm going to be answering a question about floaters now that the MSM drops are discontinued. I'm going to talk about the relationship between neuroplasticity in our eyes. Somebody asked a question about, is detoxification important to promote eye health? And then I'm going to talk about the benefits of color therapy on the eyes. And last but not least, I'm going to talk about progressive lenses, pros and cons. So stay tuned. We have a great one. folks, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity podcast. We have a great show today, a lot of Q&A, and before I get to that, I want to announce my upcoming online four-week course on creating your personal vision, and I want to just tell you a little bit about it. This is a course that will run over four weeks, and The topics will include the science between our eyes and brain health, and I'm going to talk about different um, aspects of research where we can actually improve our vision at any age. And for those of you that have been diagnosed with a certain condition or you feel like your eyes are just continually getting worse year after year... um, I think that this course could be very helpful to you. I'm also going to be offering different um, physical eye therapy exercises, somatic exercises. So this is related to how the body and the eyes work together. We'll probably get into things like your psycho-emotional and psychological aspects of your perception. It's a very individualized class, even though I'm going to be speaking in generalities. I'm also going to be talking about uh, nutrition and diet and what things you can do to improve your eye health. Uh, We'll talk about smoothie formulas. We'll talk about different foods that really enhance your eyes. And uh, I'll also be speaking about medicinal essential oils, uh, sound therapy, light therapy, and many other things. So I hope you can join me. If you want to sign up, uh, there's a link on my website, drsamburn.com. At the very top, it says online course. Click on that, and that should take you to the place to register. The course starts October 29th, and it runs for four weeks. And you'll also be privy to a lot of uh, resources and other videos and things like that. Well, let's, uh, let's take the first question, and this question is from Wendy, and she has floaters. And she says, well, now that the MSM drops are discontinued, what can I do? Well, let's start with what a floater is. So floaters occur in the vitreous gel part of the eye. It's the back part of the eye. And it's connected right to the retina. So it's kind of in front of the retina. And this gel sac has a tendency to shrink as we get older. And it's made up of mostly collagen. And I want you to mark that, that word collagen because I'm going to come back in a minute and talk about 
the importance of collagen in our, not only in our eye health, but also our systemic and metabolic health. But with floaters, what happens is the protein particles begin to break off of the collagen, the connective tissue of the vitreous. And since the vitreous is a gel-like material, if the um, proteins start floating in this gel-like, this is what floaters uh, are. And sometimes they appear like visual spots, specks, strings, clusters, uh, any combination of these. Sometimes they drift, drift into the line of sight of your vision. Sometimes they move out. It can be related a lot to your stress. And so what are some of the causes and risk factors of floaters? Myopia. So if you are over six diopters of, of myopia, you have a higher risk of developing floaters. Um, also, if you've had cataract surgery, if you suffer from diabetes, if you take pharmaceutical drugs, you should check into how that might be affecting your eye health. Uh, so certain drugs, things like steroids, antibiotics, antihistamines, non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory drugs, these all have a negative impact on your eye health and can be one of the influencers of the development of floaters. Food allergies, uh, eye trauma, candida, and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. Stress, and if you're on that uh, computer a long time, are you wearing the proper lens prescription? Um, are you using blue blocking glasses uh, to help you? Uh, inflammation is another reason why we may develop floaters. So some of the essential ingredients for floaters would be things like glutathione, vitamin C, hyaluronic acid, doing a liver cleanse, because the liver and eyes are very connected in terms of our eye health. Also, the carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin, um, omega-3 fatty acids. Um, these are some general things. I probably would add glutathione as well. But I want to bring in a topic that I've just kind of skirted over a lot, and I think we need to address it more deeply as it relates to floaters, and that has to do with our collagen health. So collagen is the most uh, abundant protein that's found in our bodies, and collagen is found throughout our body, like our bones, our muscles, our blood vessels, our digestive health, our digestive system, our tendons, and of course our vitreous and our eyes. Our eyes contain a high amount of collagen. And the protein in the collagen actually helps give our connective tissue its strength and its elasticity, both of those things. But if we are low in collagen or our collagen decreases as we get older, this, is, this causes a drying out and uh, actually creates dead skin, you know, wherever the collagen exists. Now, as I said, our body's collagen production does tend to slow down as we get older. And, you know, one of the degenerative signs that we see with collagen reduction would be wrinkles, sagging skin, joint pain, decrease in cartilage. Um, and so this creates, you know, the, the scenario where we begin to get depleted in our collagen. Now, things like eating sugar, smoking, uh, high amounts of sun exposure, uh, eating a lot of processed foods, um, GMO foods, um, 
These are some of the, the dietary things that can relate to collagen. One of the things I find that relates to floaters is our gut health. Specifically, uh, if we are suffering leaky gut syndrome, candida, um, and this is related to toxicities that are building up in the digestive tract, well, not only do they build up there, but the bloodstream tends to then transport these toxins to many different parts of the body. This is where collagen is very helpful in beginning to break down these toxins and by increasing the amino acids, which as a component of the collagen, this can help not only heal our gut because it seals our gut, but it also begins to help other areas of our body where there are a high concentration of blood vessels, including our eyes. So poor, poor gut health, a lowered microbiome where the permeability in the gut is compromised, this can cause inflammation in the eyes and many different eye conditions, and floaters is, is one of them. Now, you know, if we go back to our ancestors, um, our ancestors, before we kind of got into things like fast food, the Industrial Revolution, digital experiences, they tended to eat more collagen in their diet, and they had less problems in these, uh, you know, in these areas. So what are some things that we can, foods or supplements that we can do to increase our collagen health? Well, bone broth would be one, spirulina is another, uh, codfish is also like Alaskan cod, uh, would be very uh, helpful because it also contains things like selenium and vitamin B6 and phosphorus. So the codfish is, a, is another source. Eggs particularly are also very helpful for collagen health. Uh, some of the top collagen building foods would be things like the leafy green vegetables, pumpkin seeds, strawberries, citrus fruits, and garlic. Garlic is uh, of course, one of those foods I've talked about, it's high in sulfur, which helps to ramp up collagen synthesis in the body. Um, and of course, I've talked about MSM. You can do the MSM powder, which contains sulfur, and it does a similar thing. So with floaters, I think that it's very important to target your collagen health, your dietary absorption, and your gut health, as well as uh, you know some of these other nutrients that I've spoken about. Now, if you still want to do eye drops, probably the ones that I would recommend would be either the Simoliacin homeopathic eye drops and or the hexane-free uh, organic castor oil eye drops, which you could use a little bit of those before bed. Uh, but I don't think you're going to solve the problem um, specifically through eye drops. I think that floaters are a systemic problem and you have to treat it as such. So I hope that's helpful. I so appreciate the question. Uh, take good care. All right, this next question is about neuroplasticity and the eye, and how do they relate to each other? Well, it's funny you should ask that question because uh, I'm giving a workshop this Tuesday night in San Luis Obispo, Central California, and I'm going to do a two-hour presentation on neuroplasticity in the eye. So the eye formation uh, in the human embryo begins at approximately oh, about three weeks, two to three weeks in the fetal development and continues through the 10th week. So uh, cells from the brain, different parts of the brain, uh, contribute to the formation of the eye. And specifically, 
the eye is derived um, in a way where all the parts of the eyeball, the retina, the ciliary body, the iris, the optic nerves, the cornea, the eyelids, these all originate uh, from brain tissue. In fact, the eye begins to develop a pair of what we call optical vesicles on each side of the forebrain at the end of the fourth week of pregnancy. And these optical vesicles are the outgrowings of the brain, which may contact with something called the ectoderm. And this contact, contact induces changes which further development the, uh, of the eyes. And these optical vesicles uh, invaginate. There's a, a, what we call morphogenesis. And this leads to the invaginating optic nerve, optic cup, uh, which later on we, we evaluate uh, in terms of eye health, especially if you've been diagnosed with glaucoma. Now, I have a list of resources that uh, support this work. And uh, so, you know, I get the arguments from my doctors, the eyes have nothing to do with the brain, they're not related. And the research clearly shows that all the eye tissue comes from the brain. So bringing in a more global conversation of neuroplasticity, whenever we create an experience uh, and experience new, new things. So when we you know, we try something new, for example, we go to a, a new city or we're, you know, we meet a new friend or even just changing our conversation with our family. All of these new experiences build more neurons and ultimately brain health. And these new experiences cause the brain, uh, the brain signaling of the neurons to occur more consistently, because what happens when we do repetitive movements over and over again, there's a real dumbing down, a real numbing, not only in our overall system, but especially our brain. And so by continually uh, introducing new ideas and experiences, what happens is the neurons in the brain start firing together, and then this creates an increase in the networks of the brain. So the, the electrical circuitry improves in the brain. And this wave pattern, this electrical wave pattern, especially when we're working through our eyes, this is a wonderful way to either regenerate or create new pathways. Now, our eyes have very pattern uses. You know, if you take a look at your daily routine, you know, you're driving, you're using digital uh, devices, you're focusing at the same distance over and over again. Uh, these things actually begin to shut down our eye tissue, our eye circulation, which affect our brain. And if we want to develop new perceptions, you know, and the way we do this is with an attitude of curiosity and inquiry, and this needs to be ongoing because the two components that really stimulate our eyes, and this goes back to even before we start talking, light and movement. You know that saying, oh, it caught my eye, it, what is it? The light. So when the light is off to the side and my eyes go to that, that movement created by the light is a way that creates neuroplasticity in our body. And ultimately, our perceptions open up, 
and we develop something more deeply, which we call self-regulation, which means we're able to modulate ourselves better. We're not so dictated by the stressors that are influencing us all the time. Now, when we start developing eye-hand coordination, this is a whole other level of neuroplasticity. You know, the great Moshe Feldenkrais, he started this, um, this movement by awareness called Feldenkrais therapy, which is worldwide. Feldenkrais was very interested in the eyes. And when he started to develop different eye exercises in his Feldenkrais program, he saw that a person would have more flexibility, more versatility, not only in their eye movements, but also in their body movements. So the last thing I want to say about neuroplasticity I would, I, if I fail to bring in the relationship of the brain to the heart, you know, the heart communicates with the brain in four main ways. Neurological communication, so through the nervous system, that's our fight or flight response. Biochemical communication through our hormones. Uh, biophysical communication through our wave, pulse wave patterns. And then finally, energetic communication. And this is our electromagnetic fields. If I go back, oh, in the 1960s and 1970s, there was um, a couple, John and Beatrice Lacey. And they started to observe the heart communication and how it related and influenced the brain. And they found that there was a relationship between how the heart communicates with the brain. Uh, another researcher named Walter Bradford Cannon, he found that by arousing the nervous system, the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic, this would have an effect on our heart rate. And so our autonomic nervous system has a very strong influence on our heart. And in fact, it's the heart that can influence the brain. There are actually some researchers have found there are some brain cells that are actually housed in the heart. And that when we really start tuning into our heart, then we have a bigger influence on our brain and our overall nervous system. So this is very exciting to note that we have this much possibility in changing how our eyes function. And when I bring in the physical eye therapy exercises, what I'm doing a lot of times is bringing in more of our sensory motor awareness, hearing things differently, feeling things differently, um, smelling things differently. That's why we use essential oils. Uh, so there are a variety of ways to access the skill and the potential of neuroplasticity through the eyes. So um, I hope that that's helpful. I, I know that's a long-winded answer, and there's even more that I could say about it, but, but I think I'll leave it there. All right, this next question is from Sylvia, and she is asking, what do I think of detoxification, especially for your eyes? Well, I believe detoxification is one of the missing links in our health today. You know, so many people don't even think about the quality of the water they drink or the, 
the food that they eat that's free of pesticides and that is uh, non-GMO. And yet, you know, our food can be our best medicine, and we don't even realize that. And with the toxic load that everybody is exposed to today, whether it's pharmaceutical drugs or environmental toxins or EMF pollution, radiation, uh, whatever it may be, I feel that being proactive and actually going beyond the awareness of eating organic foods and drinking healthy, clean water and adding probiotics, but we need to do a cleanse as a prevention for illness. You know, remember, the absence of disease does not mean health. I like to say this about the eyes, that, you know, when I evaluate people's eyes and vision, uh, I will often say to them, well, you know, you're free of disease, but I'm not seeing great health in your eyes. And this is when we start, you know, adding uh, different nutrients and things like that. In fact, I think that uh, detoxification is one of the best health insurances that you can do for yourself. Uh, detoxing can improve well-being. It can help you maintain your healthy, a healthy weight. It uh, can give you more emotional balance, hormonal balance, and even give you those shiny, clear eyes that everyone is looking for. So many benefits. So how to choose a detoxification program? Well, I think number one, find a doctor, naturopathic doctor, or functional medicine doctor who you trust and get an an assessment on what's going on on the toxicity level. I like to get a baseline. Number two, what I'm doing in a detoxification program is trying to reopen the channels for drainage. And these include things like the local glands and the organs that we um, associate to elimination. So it'd be like your, your lungs, your kidney, your colon, your liver, Basically, the systemic pathways, Um, I would probably add the lymph in there as well. Um, And in doing that, what it does is it immediately is going to improve the energy on a cellular level, and this could help you solve some of the core symptoms that you may be having. So this draining and detoxing Uh, opening up the drainage channels, very important. And then adding different ionic uh, trace minerals, enzymes, electrolytes, probiotics, amino acids, basic uh, nutrients. This is really important that you infuse the body with these things simultaneously while you're in a detoxification program because you need to have enough energy to not only get rid of the toxins, but sustain getting rid of them. And this is where these drainage pathways are super important. So the research points to that if you can do a detoxification program two or three or four times a year, it's kind of like cleaning out your closet. It's kind of like spring cleaning. But it all depends on your own Uh, constitution, your stress level, your lifestyle, your diet. And this is where working with a professional can help you navigate what would be the deep, the best detoxification program for you. I can tell you from clinical experience that when people do this type of 
uh, detoxification pro uh, program, what I notice is their floaters reduce or go away. Their lens health improves, so the cataracts reduce. Um, if they've had any eye surgery, the surgery heals better. They have less inflammation that they're carrying. And of course, when we talk about you know retinal disease, things like macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy, um, any kind of retinoschisis, uh, when you start doing a detoxification pathway and increasing the deficient uh, trace minerals, enzymes, electro electrolytes, probiotics, you know, and amino acids, people's eyesight improves, their retina improves. So, uh, Sylvia, I would take this to heart. I would definitely find somebody to do detoxification. I think it's so important in the overall scheme of, of things of not only you know getting your eyes in a more healthy state, but keeping them there. So thank you so much for the question. All right, this next question is from Stan, and he wants me to talk about the color, uh, the color therapy and the benefits on the eyes. Well, one of my sayings is, is that uh, the better we can take in the light through our eyes, the more we can radiate it out from us. And that light surrounds all living things. And, you know, health is really based on how well we can create an energy field and emanate the light. Because these energy patterns are imprints that do express our health. And the healthier and the brighter and the more coherent our energy field then uh, the more resiliency we have in our health and um, we, the, the more energy we have in our, I call it the energy bank account for health. So the eyes are the organ of light and light is the currency for which we see with. Uh, the retina has about 130 million photoreceptors and when the light enters the eye, it stimulates both our retina, our eyes, but it also has an effect on our endocrine health, our nervous system health, and our fluid system. In fact, uh, the brain converts about 75% of the light that's, that's absorbed in the eyes. And this is going to the visual cortex, the cerebral cortex, the brain stem, and of course, our limbic brain, our emotional brain. But 25% of the light stimulates our hypothalamus, which is the organ responsible for many of the body functions, including our circadian rhythms, our fluid balance, our circulation, our reproductive health, our heart regulation, and our emotional balance. You know, there was a photographer, an inventor, and a medical researcher named John Ott, and he coined the term malillumination. And he stated that malillumination is to light as malnutrition is to food. So if you are suffering certain brain uh, issues, um, this could be caused by the fact that you're not getting enough light in your diet. And this can actually be part of the reasons why you might be developing food allergies, sluggish digestion, night blindness, mood swings, learning disabilities, attention deficits, and even insomnia. Now, our eyes can become light sensitive as well. 
So we can use sunglasses uh, to block the light. But if you're sensitive to light, this is a signal that you have a deeper balance going on. So color therapy is one of the ways to improve your vision, restore balance. Uh, each color uh, is a certain wavelength, and they can stimulate different aspects of reawakening memories, emotions, um, because each color is going to stimulate a different part of your eyes and vision. So just generally speaking, uh, green is the color in the middle of the, uh, the spectrum, and it has the uh, potential to balance our nervous system. The colors yellow on the yellow side tend to stimulate our nervous system more, and the colors on the blue side tend to relax our nervous system even more. And then if you go into the blue, the violet, and the indigo, these really create relaxation, reduce pain, reduce edema. So looking through different colors is a way to help self-regulate and balance your eyes and vision. I also recommend getting at least 30 to 60 minutes of natural sunlight every day. I think that uh, the natural light is critically important for balancing your eyes and your health. Remember, artificial light can cause malillumination. So if you are working indoors quite a bit or you're on digital uh, devices quite a bit, you could consider putting in full spectrum lights, non-LED. And also if you've had cataract surgery, I would recommend uh, the blue blockers as a way to protect the damaging blue light uh, as it comes off those, uh, those digital digital devices. So color therapy is one of those tools, it's very, very old, that can be uh, extremely beneficial for improving your eyes and vision. Okay, Stan, I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much. Okay, my last question today is from Karen. And she's writing, thanks for your help. I'm still confused. Um, I've stopped using the progressive lenses as you've advised but I feel like I'm going around half blind carrying two or three pairs of glasses so I can see it at all distances. I'm, I'm doing okay with the blurriness, but I'm frustrated. I'm in my early 50s and I feel like my eyesight is going downhill. Um, can you advise me on uh, my new direction? Okay, Karen. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that progressive lenses offer you a lifestyle choice where you have one prescription built into the lens. And so you can look at distance, computer, and reading basically through one pair of glasses. That's the selling point and the advantage. However, because you're being asked to focus through a very tiny thread, a very tiny window uh, through the lens prescription, um, it's going to tunnel and narrow your peripheral vision. It puts a lot of stress on your nervous system and ultimately it's going to accelerate your eyes getting worse. Now, that being said, the first place I would start in maybe uh, doing a new prescription would be getting a prescription for your computer time as a blue blocker, single vision lens, and I would just wear it for the computer. 
Uh, you certainly can still wear your progressive lenses. I'm not saying you have to get rid of them. But as a transition and, you know, getting more flexible in your own lifestyle choices, you can still use the progressive lenses when you need to. But if you're doing some intensive focusing on your computer, get a single vision lens for that and see how that goes. See if your eyes feel more relaxed. If they do, the second place that I would uh, get a new prescription would be for your distance. You know, the only part of the progressive lens you're using for driving is maybe the top fourth of the lens, which is kind of uh, a poor functional design because you're not using the entire lens. You're using a very small part of your peripheral vision in order to drive, which is dangerous because you're not using as much of your peripheral vision. So if you've got a pair of single vision distance glasses, you're going to notice right away that you don't have to make as many movements, that your peripheral vision is wider, your eyes are gonna be more relaxed, better depth perception, better reaction time, maybe even better memory. Um, and so you have to start focusing on what's changing here to improve my performance because you have to really sell yourself on the inconvenience that uh, is presented to you when you stop wearing progressive lenses. But what's going to happen, Karen, is that if you start moving away from the progressive lenses, even if it's just incrementally, your eyesight at distance is gonna get better. You're gonna have less eye fatigue, eye strain, your eye disease uh, deterioration process is going to be less, and your eyes are gonna feel a heck of a lot better. So um, I think you've got a, you know, a kind of a reframing that you have to do. You know, when you say you're going around half blind or you're carrying two to three pairs of glasses, um, I don't think you're going around half blind. I think that there's a blurriness that you are experiencing that I would say that as long as the blurriness is not impeding your function to just go into the blur. It's a softer vision, your eyes are softer, and when you need to see more clearly, just put your glasses on. So that will eliminate that situation. And in terms of carrying two or three pairs, again, you can stay with the progressive lenses, maybe have a one pair by your computer, one pair in your car, um, and to start going without your glasses in non-demanding and non-threatening situations is actually a great strategy. So I hope that's helpful, Karen, and I really appreciate the question. All right, everybody. Well, that's my show for today. Great questions, as, as always. Keep sending them my way. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in, and until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademark signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. 
Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.